comics, movies, music, video games, technology, Blu-ray, television. This is the HHW LOD Podcast Network. My name is Ichabod Crane. the Ichapod Crane cast, and it's funny to say that name still. Uh, I am Aaron, and joining me, of course, is Maxwell. Hello, everybody. And Brandon. Greetings. This is um, episode two, easy to keep track of, because we're on the second episode of the TV show Sleepy Hollow, which this podcast is based around, and um, we are talking. We are going to be talking about that second episode, titled Blood Moon. Um, I feel safe to say that this is probably one of the best episodes of Sleepy Hollow I've ever seen. I think that's fair. I'd put it in my top two. Okay. Yeah, definitely up there. And um, so, yeah, let's do a, I guess, a quick summary of this episode. I can read it right here because it's on Wikipedia. I think we read this last week. Did we read this last week, too? Yep. Well, yep. well here we go. Here's, here's the quick recap before we get into things. Uh, the demon... Okay. The, the demon who... Well, this is even more a little bit, a little more on up. The demon who killed Deputy Andy brings him back to life and to aid in the resurrection of Cyrilda of Abaddon, the high priestess of, a, of the Dark Coven, who had been captured with the help of Ichabod's wife Katrina and burned at the stake. Cyrilda has until the turn of the blood moon to obtain the ashes of the descendants of the men who killed her, and Abby and Ichabod confront the witch in the subterranean tunnels underneath the sheriff's station as she attempts to complete the, ri- the revival ritual. Um, also, Abby has a vision of Sheriff Corbin, who tells her not to be afraid of the number 49. That's a basic synopsis of things that happened this week but let's uh, get more into it so we all three of us have we have more notes this week i think we're a little more organized we uh, paid attention we did and uh, i know i have notes i know you guys have notes so we're gonna i'm gonna kind of we're gonna lay it down by um by commercial breaks basically by <laughs> things that happen so we have the cold open here um it begins it was a it, long open it was a long open right wasn't it yeah um keep those viewers yeah so we begin with ichabod crane being uh, chased by a horseman the Headless Horseman, who we don't see for the rest of this episode, actually. Um, it's, of course, a dream sequence, as we quickly see that there's three other horsemen along with them. So we see all four horsemen of the apocalypse, um, three of them having heads. Uh, Ichabod eventually reaches a point where he sinks into the ground, and we get a warning from Katrina, or some kind of message from Katrina to Ichabod. Uh, he wakes up. back at, Actually, right before he wakes up, we see this kind of creeper image that happens, and that'll come back later. Um... Uh, Ichabod wakes up at this point in a hotel room or some place. There's a hotel room, right? Is that what it probably is? Yeah, yeah. It's he like wakes, a motel, yeah. Yeah. Wakes up. He's under guard at this hotel. There's a police officer outside his door. And uh, what, what next happens? Uh, then we, we cut we cut over to uh, the police station. Orlando, or <laughs> police captain Orlando Jones is talking to Aunt, Aunt Abby about um, about the the events that occurred last week, the mysterious events that occurred last week, the uh, the police officers on the scene we recanted their um, statements involving the, uh, the the witnessing of a of a headless horseman uh, shooting at them for um, obvious reasons. But that doesn't mean Orlando Jones is sorry, police captain Orlando Jones is not um, 
sticking with b- believing certain believing that there's certainly something going on here that that Abby and and Ichabod have seen. Uh, but uh, yeah, he's not there. This isn't going. What's well, not going to not going to be carried forth any further than it has to, I guess. Um, we then cut to uh, John Cho, who we thought had you know died last week, only to be brought back to life in a very darkly funny scene involving his broken neck body waking up in the morgue and walking around, and then his head gets pushed back on its head. We see more of the devil. Uh, the, the the devil says some stuff um, in a language. It leads to John Cho releasing this kind of throat pendant, um, and then he's basically being told to release somebody, which we'll get to later on. Um, let's see. Meanwhile, at the sa- this is a long cold open. A lot of things go over. At the same time, Ichabod <clears throat> uh, meets up with Abby. She brings him some donut holes. <laughs> he reluctantly accepts the donut hole and finds it delicious. Yeah, I think I skipped around there. I think the the cold open ends on John Cho's resurrection sequence. And then we get to our intro, our new intro for the show, which uh, has complete with music and the cast and everything. So all that's out of the way. What do we think of this whole cold, cold open? It's kind of interesting that they showed us Four Horsemen, which they can always go back on the design and stuff if they want, because it wasn't quote-unquote real going on. But I felt like um, there's a lot of uh, plenty of regression from the progress they made in the pilot with, you know, uh, the... Horsemen being out in the open and the acceptance of the police force of the uh, supernatural stuff they're fighting against seem to uh, take a many steps back in uh, this opening. And then John Cho, who is dead, is now now back alive to serve. And then all, all the stuff that um, I was kind of praising about not um, relishing on the uh, fish out of water stuff came full force in this That's episode. very much here, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, it's not a bad thing, but it was almost feeling like this was the uh, pilot take two, which, it's a second episode, so this is going to be more of what the series is like anyway, but I I just, like, especially the character of Abby kind of had to, uh, she started back on where she was about mid-episode in the pilot compared to where she was at the end. Yeah, I think it's doing something kind of uh, typical of network shows where it is at once, like you said, uh, kind of repiloting in a way to kind of, you know, redump out all the important exposition and to remind viewers of what happened. I noticed there were a lot of uh, flashbacks to sequences we had seen just last week while also giving us a better idea of what a typical episode of the show might look and feel like um i'm wondering if sort of every episode is going to open with some sort of vision or dream from his wife that sets up the thread of that week and if that's like a strict structure they're going to stick to or if it'll be a little more free-flowing if anything it seemed like they needed to add something like that for both the reasons of catching up the viewer, because that's what second episodes tend to do, but also giving you some horsemen, because we don't have any horsemen for the rest of this episode. Yeah, and it's also kind of... I, I know we live in a different age, but I'm guessing there's a large populace that may have heard this show was hot last week and only tuned into this episode, so it was very new user-friendly as well. For sure. I mean, second episodes in any show 
are pretty tough. I mean, they, they have to both, yeah, they have to establish a lot of the things that the previous week established because of the exact reason you just said, essentially. And they also have to show you what, or, and, uh, you know, an average episode is going to be like for a series. And, I mean, for the, just to jump ahead a bit, I like this episode. I, I think it, I think it did a good job of repeating the same you know tone that got me so excited about the show to begin with from last week. Um, I would say I'm I'm pleased with the with the structure they're going for. I'd be I am curious as to you know how the next episodes are going to kind of begin if they're going to set up once again like stuff about Ichabod as well as what's going on with the rest of the story. I'd I'd be. I wouldn't be more surprised if we have less Ichabod, you know, dream sequences in the future and more focus on, like, just uh, what the monster of the week is going to be. But um, for the most part, yeah, I, I do. It's exposition, it's exposition heavy for sure, but I think things that save it are, you know, obviously the chemistry between Ichabod and Abby and the other various elements that we'll get to throughout the show. Well, yeah, Tom Meisen is killing it. Yeah, like, for sure. He, he is almost... I mean, there's reasons other to watch the show, but you kind of just got to see him. I mean, if anybody who hasn't seen it questions the concept or thinks it's silly, watch him for two seconds and you probably be a little bit hooked on it. Yeah. He plays it just perfectly. Yeah. They, they nailed that casting and I feel like kind of like what you were saying, whoever they ended up casting in that role could have make or break the series. Um, if they hadn't gotten it just right, the right actor, um, it could have all crumbled down upon Ichabod's shoulders. Yes, the epitome so, of everything's the donut hole scene, which you mentioned. Yeah, that's just perfect. That's <laughs> it in a nutshell. So let's let's uh, move I on. Oh. Let's, let's sorry, I just want to keep this, keep this ball rolling. Let's uh, let's move on to the the first uh, kind of sequence of the, after the cold open. Uh, we get to the funeral, uh, uh, Sheriff Clancy Brown's funeral, and uh, that's happening. And meanwhile, Ichabod Rip visits the uh, the grave of his wife, Katrina, um, who he's kind of he's curious about what this dream meant, and he's kind of like looking at it. It's like, what did what did you mean? Sorry, we uh, we also get to uh, Bora John Cho. He 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 arrives with his pendant to where is it? Where does he go to? Is it is it the um... he he gets back into his he gets into a cop car, dresses himself up as a cop. You can kind of see the flappy neck situation he is going on, and he uh, drives out and pulls a guy over on a dark road. That's right. He and we'll get to more of that in a second. We get so we we. The funeral stuff happens. There's more expositional dialogue. We learn more about Abby's kind of backstory. We realize she has a sister that's... It's, we knew she had a sister. She has a sister that's been institutionalized, which we'll also get to later on. And um, we get some kind of... Some brief flashbacks involving Clancy Brown and how she... How Abby met Clancy Brown. But essentially, she was... Um, kind of... Deli- she saw she saw some things when she was younger involved that ties into the series mythology. And she became a kind of a delinquent teenager while her sister was taken away. And basically, Clancy Brown takes her under her wing, uh, under his wing. And she became, she from there, she became the cop that she is today. Or whatever. Um, then, yeah, then we get to, yeah, John Cho. He, 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 gets, he gets the, the pendant, the thing awakens. It, it arrives at a car in the middle of the road. And the... This thing blows up the car. It um, does. We get kind of a horror scenario, and the car gets blown up from there. Um, the uh, Abby and Ichabod arrive at the scene. Ichabod takes some looks at what's gone on, and he kind of has an idea of what it is that just happened. Cut to commercial again. The f- go go Maxwell. Sorry. No, I was the first thing I would say is that I was pretty impressed with John Cho's ability to be 
kind of super creepy. Um, you know, he's known mostly for comedic roles and Star Trek, but I was like spooked out by him. I was like, I do not want to run into that version of John Cho on a dark street. My my favorite thing about this is that it. Last week I I call I called this guy. I thought of of Terminator Two a lot. If you have the headless horseman running around T one thousand. It seems like that theme's being kept up this week because I see John Cho is basically T one thousand as he fills yeah. as Have you seen as, this boy? Yeah, exactly. And mixed with like Edgar from Men in Black, who like has his flappy <laughs> skin and like is just frustrated with this body he's contained in now and these things that he has to do. Where's Orion's belt? <laughs> but um, yeah, again, we get more kind of you know exposition stuff. So back with the backstory of Abby and I. I mean I. Brandon called. We'll see more Clancy Brown for sure. And, I, you know, I liked uh, last week. Both of you did, actually. And I like seeing more Clancy Brown on the show. It's a little, I guess, a little jarring that we suddenly, after killing two characters last week, John Cho and Clancy Brown, we get both of them back this week and they factor yeah, we, more we, into the plot. We both thought there were, we all thought there were big name pilot kills and they apparently are going to be contributing. Yeah. More often. John Cho, for sure, I thought was like God. I, that seemed like a yeah, like a one-off. But yep, he's he's back and very much involved in what's going yeah. on. Yeah, and then uh, Cl- Clancy Brown didn't have enough time to grow his uh, goatee back yeah. before they started shooting episode two. I noticed that. So, um, all right, let's pick up the after the after that commercial. We get back to it. We. As we get into another flashback, as Ichabod explains what he thinks going on, we see this flashback where Ichabod explains what the Blood Moon is, and that there was a witch involved with uh, things going going on. There was some strange murders happening. A dark coven emerged out of this, and we learned that Washington believed that the Redcoats were in allegiance with made a dark alliance with this dark coven. Basically, being one of the funniest things I heard this week on the show. <laughs> uh, just like hearing the secrets are in Washington's um, Bible, this week we have we have Washington believing in the the, the redcoats so coming with witches. Um, so yeah, we got this whole flashback, some backstory on this witch character. Um, we then arrive at a, where do we go? We go. It's like a records place, or where do, where do Abby and Ichabod go? Where we meet one of Abby's, um, I guess her ex an ex isn't an ex boyfriend or an ex. <clears throat> it's her ex, ex flame, ex, yeah. Ex flame, Mark. I believe his name was Mark. Uh, Ichabod and, and this person exchange some some humorous quips. As Ichabod explains that he was once a teacher, and the Mark gets to, tries to do the alpha male thing, where he's like, "We well, I was in Ra- Iraq or Afghanistan," whatever he says. Um, so that's that's kind of fun. And then uh, as they're in the as they're in this um, this area, they get to a. They go. They go there because they they believe there's like an old, old battle site or old um, records room. So eventually, Ichabod bashes through a wall in the where they are at. They find a secret room, which should lead to revealing even more secrets. That's the end of that break. Where are they? Do you guys know where? They're, they're like it's this this room that all the old records are at. But and... what like building are they at to begin with? That they like well, a police station. It's right? a police station, right? Is it? Yeah, like, I think it's. A... it's a... I think it's across the street from the police station. It's like in the it's same like, area. Yeah. It's not like exactly, a, yeah. Like a sto- like uh, a storage facility. Yeah. But from what I understand, back uh, in the time of the the war, uh, it was used as an armory, which is why Ichabod is intimately familiar with it and secret access to it. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought the introduction of the ex-boyfriend was a little 
ham-fisted, I guess I would say. Yeah. It seems like a really typical character that uh, feels already like someone who's going to be used for as filler and always be like, all right, let's move on to something other than this dude. Um, I hope to be proven wrong, but... Um, in, my, felt... in my notes, I have written that Abby's ex- made expressly clear that there was no betrothing between her and, uh, her and Mark. <laughs> That's all I have for that. <laughs> Yeah, I feel I think Mark is just going to be like some forced sort of wrench thrown into some of their their um, missions or cases or whatever. Like it just it, he feels unnecessary with all the mythology and stuff they're going to build. Like I don't I don't think we need him, but he's going to be there. Well, we'll see, we'll see where that takes us. Um, after this break, we get to Ichabod and Abby wandering through some sewers. They eventually arrive at, arrive at another room, which was apparently where the Battle of Lexington was planned, which has a lot of Sleepy Hollow's older records. So that's happening there and there. Meanwhile, John Cho, John Cho in T-1000 mode, that's what I've written in my notes, he, he finds a kid <laughs> whose name is Kyle Hemmington. Uh, does Cho express, like, sadness about this? Is that, like, he has some kind of reaction that he... Because he, he first he 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 makes the kid tell him what his name is because he's a cop. He's he's like I'm sorry that that's that has your to name. be your name, right? Yeah. And uh, yeah, so we establish that there's a kid that's probably a Jeopardy. Meanwhile, Ichabod Crane and uh, Abby are going through the the records. Um, Ichabod establishes that he has a photographic memory to Abby, um, including scents and smells. I believe he points that out too. Uh, so he's 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 quite the quite the detective when he needs to be. Uh, we get another flashback to the kind of the witch trials. We see the main witch, who's this, this creeper that we're dealing with presently. She explains that she will live again and, and announces that um uh, the blood moon like the, some kind of ritual we need to happen and that could bring her back to life. Um, we then get to uh, realization that the ashes of the descendants are needed to in order to kind of bring her back and. The ashes from whence she came. Yes. <laughs> and uh, then the uh, the break ends with the, the witch versus Kyle. The witch is kind of stalking Kyle inside of his so we so we think outside of his uh outside of his house. Uh I could do that was a quick one too there. So then we just go to back to another uh after that break. Um Kyle's screaming, but mom in the bathtub's like, Oh, what's going on with my son? Um, she, she looks to inspect what's going on. Meanwhile, Ichabod and Abby arrive just in time at the house also. Uh, the creeper seems to disappear, so the kid's safe. Until we learn that uh, Kyle, who we thought was in, in peril here, has actually been adopted, which the mom is very happy to point out right away. Um, and that the, the witch who needs the, the, the ashes of the descendants actually stole the urn of, of the... Of, I guess Kyle's adopted father of the, of the of the mom's former husband, who I guess died and has an urn sitting in the house. That's been stolen. So the the witch who needs the 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 ashes of those of the the person responsible. Okay, got to jump back here. The uh, was it the magistrate's ancestors? Uh, the the closest ancestors are that's who the witch needs the ashes of to in order to come back to life. So there was. There was the person in the car who she blew up earlier, and now there's the ur- the ashes of this of this person who she just stole. <laughs> okay, so um, now Ichabod and Abby established that they they have to destroy this witch. How do you do that? By burning her, of course. That's how you get rid of get rid of witches. Ichabod, 
uh, make sure to note that they, they burn her with great enthusiasm. That's the, the way to do it. Uh, as they head to where the, the witch the witch burial site was, we see the witch in the ritual revival process that John Cho was involved in, which looks pretty cool. I gotta say, that was a pretty cool looking sequence. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, uh, it was spooky. It was, and that's where we cut to commercial again. The witch, the the human form of the witch arising from the from the ashes. She like just lays in him and cut and and becomes, becomes human again. Yeah, flesh really appears. Cool. It was really cool. Yeah, Did just, she catch the bullet before or after the break? The uh, before. I- Oh uh, yeah, sorry. Or after after the break. After, after after. Sorry, sorry. This is the last break, so we get the whole fight sequence. But yeah, so it that's a very, lot. Yeah, very yeah. convenient that the secret tunnel getting them to the records room is also where the <laughs> yes. bones of witches was. I guess it saved them money on having multiple sets, but it was a, a nice set, and I suspect they'll use it frequently. Yeah, and uh, is the the I'm guessing the room uh, with all the records is going to be akin to maybe the the. Uh, school library from Buffett the Vampire Slayer. That, it's funny thing. you say that because that was exactly what came to my head. That's, yeah, and we already have a, a Brit reading through them, so yep. <laughs> very much like Giles. Um, <laughs> power of the printed page. Um, but no, this is uh, some cool stuff. A little nice misdirect with the child. Yes. I thought was pretty cool. Yeah, um, I, I enjoyed that too. Um, I'd certainly say this episode, does, would you say this episode has more horror in it than the first episode does? Yes. Yeah, the the other one's more of uh, the... It has horror, but it's more action, was the pilot. Mm-hmm. Uh, right, and, and I... Oh, sorry. No, no, go ahead. I was just going to say, I feel like also the the pilot almost consciously wanted to be more action-y because it was showing us how it was taking a familiar story of the Headless Horseman and making it different, whereas this is, you know, creating its own story and mythology, so it kind of went for broke. There was a lot of body horror and transformations and... Like the scene where John Cho, like his neck is pushed back and comes back to normal was really gross. Yeah, very freaky yeah. to watch. Like I was having kind of fun watching it just because like, well, there's something you don't see every day. But at the same time, it's like this is this is some nasty stuff we're dealing with in terms of a, a Fox series on primetime with, you know, lovable John Cho putting his head back on his shoulders. I do yeah. feel like Fox has always been the most violent of the networks. Of these the most ones, willing yeah. to... And they they push it without flaunting it too. That's the thing with Fox. It's just whoa, that's our show. Like other networks may f- like flare out the, f- the fact that they're doing something like what, that. Was yeah. there even a viewer discretion advised before it, the episode? I don't. Well, there there always is um, for all these shows. But I mean, there it, it certainly. I certainly wouldn't say the violence was you know explicit in this episode. Certainly not. No, there's compared, no blood. There's no blood. No. Certainly not compared to something like you know um the 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 uh, what's it the 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 following um true <laughs> like it, it's not reveling or, Han- or hannibal or hannibal yeah. it's not the sleepy hollow for the most part seems like it's a show that's not going to revel in the gory aspects it's going to revel in the fun of the scenario that we're being presented with with you know right. the fantastical twists and what have well, you yeah because i mean their head choppings cauterize the wounds so there's no blood there yeah i mean the only the most blood the blood i saw was in the the, the flashback to the previously on episode where you see him decapitate the head of swords but that's like the only gore you see in this episode yeah all right, so let's uh, move on to the last deck here. Um, huh, okay, Ichabod Crane and Abby find the witch. She's resurrected in her fireproof, in her fri- for fireproof clothing, of course. Um, she comes at them. Ichabod attempts to shoot her. She doesn't go down, and Ichabod throws his gun away, of course, because why would he? Why would there be more than one bullet in a gun? Um, Abby quickly <laughs> makes sure to tell him that yes, there are actually more than one bullet in a gun these days. Uh, 
they they run away from from the witch. Uh, the witch makes sure to announce that Katrina's in a or Ichabod learn how does he learn it? Uh, that Katrina's in a limbo. She's in kind of a world between worlds. Is it, the witch says it to him, right? Yes, yes. she yes. does. She says world between worlds, yeah. and then she mentions sealed fates. Yeah, so that'll lead me to some predictions we can get to later on in the episode, but um. But yeah, so the, they communicate, we establish that, but then uh, the witch is chasing after them, and which leads Ichabod and Abby to leading the witch into this kind of gunpowder trap uh, where they hide kind of behind the walls and throw a flame at the at this big gunpowder room thing, and it tries to they try to blow up the witch, and that works. They they get they take her out. Yeah, and thank thank goodness for uh, you know construction from three or four hundred years ago. Yeah. If that was modern construction. The whole place would have would have toppled down with that explosion. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, structural integrity was far more important back then. So that so that happens. The witch is extinguished. The blood moon threat is vanquished at this point. Um, and Ichabod's wondering, can my can Katrina be freed? Can I? I mean, he she explained that she's caught in a world between worlds. Can I do something about that? Who knows? We'll find out. Um, Abby, mean meantime. Um, in the in the police station, she looks over to Sheriff Clancy Brown's office, and she sees that he's sitting there. And she walks in, and it could be a vision, could be a ghost type thing, which probably leads towards that way. As she kind of has a talk with Sheriff Clancy Brown, and they kind of they reach some kind of closure, but it could lead to more things. And the last thing he says is to don't to not be afraid of the number forty nine. Cut two. A shot of the number 49 in a institution where we see what we learn is Abby's sister, Jenny, who is going all Sarah Connor as she, once again, T2, as she um, does her workout routine. She's doing push-ups, she's doing pull-ups, and uh, she's not taking her pills. And um, we then also see an image of Satan once again. And, um, yeah, that's kind of the closeout of our episode. Anything I missed in that last bit? Nope, that okay. ends okay. it right there. Awesome. Okay, so yeah, that's the end of the episode. So we realize, so we see Abby's sister is certainly going to be a presence in some form on the show, and the devil makes a lot of appearances throughout this episode. So or whatever the you know go minotaur thing, which we I guess we're all assuming is the devil or some kind of you know hell demon of whatever kind. So yeah, that's the end of this week's episode. Any uh, thoughts on this last segment? I uh, I was very reminded of uh, Dexter in the Sheriff Clancy Brown yes. scene. I was like, <laughs> well, here we have Harry telling Dexter what. Um, but I'm I'm interested to see uh, how um, they handle that and if it is sort of a legitimate apparition or just like her memories, you know, and she's like taking what she's you know kind of already knew in her subconscious and you know visualizing it. But I I like that Clancy Brown is going to be. A presence uh, in the show. Yeah, very, very much so. Um, uh, I like the ending. I like that Clancy Brown showed up. Um, and the, the number forty nine. I, I, it was cool that they could have they could have left that as a lingering mystery for a while and yeah. gave it to us gave it to us right away. And now um, there are personal stakes for both Ichabod and Abby set as there's. Uh, Katrina is now in the world between worlds, and we have, uh, looks like Jenny Mills is going to be somewhat of a character, maybe in cahoots with the devil, maybe not, maybe her own agenda, but... Yeah, curious to see how that, uh, how that factors in. I was surprised that I was, I was surprised at seeing more John Cho, I was surprised at seeing more Clancy Brown, and I was surprised at seeing Crazy Devil Thing in the background of every scene. 
Yeah. I, I think if all of those things add up to the fact that unlike certain other shows, this is not going to um, make things linger for too long or have, you know, mysteries that viewers start to get agitated because there's no answers. Um, I think if this second episode is any indication, the pacing is going to keep up and it's going to move and be really nutso and bizarre. I think it certainly comes from, you know, Robert, Roberto Orsi, Orsi and um, Alex Kurtzman, who wrote this episode along with the last week's episode, uh, along with, um, for this, but I'll just say that they wrote this episode along with Mark Goffman, and it was directed by Ken Olin. Um, he's done a lot of TV work. Um, Orsi, Orsi and Kurtzman, they, they come from kind of the J.J. Abrams mystery box school, so I think they, they've kind of, they they have experienced working in this kind of t- televised format where they have to, del- you know, deliver answers as much as they de- deal out questions. And while, I can, you know, obviously we can't say that we know where this is going, but I'd like to think that they have a better understanding of how to kind of toss out mysteries while also giving the audience a lot to chew on and a lot to kind of relieve themselves with as opposed to stretching things out for longer periods of time with little to understand and grasp onto is like what, what does this mean where is this going I, yeah right so so far i don't feel they've, they've really given us any sort of nagging like mystery where it's like oh my gosh what do you think dude it, it feels comfortable my curiosity feels comforted that as if i go on the adventure i'm gonna learn it soon yes i would agree with that completely all right um you mentioned ken olin i was happy to see he directed this um i've always liked him a lot both as an actor and a director. Um, he did a lot of episodes of Alias back in the day, mm-hmm. so he also has that J.J. Abrams connection, um, and I would like to see him come back. You know, I feel like he could be in their stable of directors. Yeah, for sure. Um, any, um, any other thoughts on this episode? Like I said, I enjoyed this episode quite a bit. I, I, I was very happy that it... <laughs> I don't know if we've emphasized this enough, but this show's very silly. But I think the show understands how silly it is, and I had a good time watching it. So, Right, and to that point, you know, I, I made a couple of jokes about, like, conveniences and ridiculous things, but as opposed to some cases, I don't feel like I'm making fun of the show. I feel like I'm laughing along with it. For sure. Like, I yes. think it, it's, it's meant to be that kind of silly, fun, yell at the screen. Yeah, and, like, I don't, I by no means think this is, like, the best sh- new show on TV or the best show, period, or anything like that. I mean, I'm curious to see. <laughs> I, I'd have a hard time believing it's going to rise to the ranks of being that either, but I'd be, I'm curious to see, you know, where it's going to go and how I'm going to, you know, have, what regard I'm going to have for it in, you know, a, several weeks' time as we, you know, continue doing this podcast with the Ichapod Crane cast, of course, and, you know, continue watching this show. It's certainly yeah. fun to talk about. Yeah, that's why that's yes. why we're doing this podcast. I like Exactly. <laughs> My my one final question is: Do you think Ichabod will ever get additional clothing? <laughs> yeah, I'm wondering that myself. I like a, modern modern day clothing, or just that one outfit? You mentioned the kind of fish out of water aspects here, and uh, um, there's things like uh, Abby leaving little post-it notes around um, Ichabod's room. Poor man's of, memento. Exactly, <laughs> and things thought, like go go Maxwell. I thought that was really sweet, though. I thought that I mean I'm really enjoying the way that their chemistry and relationship is developing. Um, and I thought that was like a really sweet little touch that she's, you know, helping him out and trying to get him caught up. For sure. Yeah, I, I, I like that, but then like immediately in the episode, she's retracting on everything and not sure of herself anymore. Whereas it seemed like the beginning of the episode with those notes made me feel positive on everything. And then she showed up and it was like taking four steps back. And it's the kind of thing that comes with, again, that kind of second episode yeah. syndrome where you have to 
you have to appre- you have to acknowledge that not everyone maybe they have saw the first episode. You have to reestablish certain things. It it happens with kind of almost every TV series, and I'd like to think that. You know, next week and the week after, oh, we'll, yeah. have a, we'll have a stronger, independent feel for how the ep- each episode is going to play out on its own. Yeah, I, I felt this one even kind of more so felt like a pilot, a typical pilot than than last week's. Yeah, like last week's the kind of the flashy guest, big guest director kind of episode, and this one's more of the this is an introduction to the show we're going to watch every week. Yeah, because I, I was I was kind of hankering for a little bit more from the the witch storyline. Yeah, from their perspective, and they weren't they were just giving me. Stuff similar to what I saw last week instead with between Ichabod and Abby, which is fine and all, but you know that'll fix come time. Well, I mean, during that time there are plenty of covens going around and plenty of witches being burned, so I'm sure this <laughs> probably isn't our last witch that we see no, on the show. Right? I I, I would yeah. like to see like sort of monsters of the week where we get to uh, there's more uh, you know we more of a, a purpose and backstory to the 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 monster or whatever it may be. As opposed to just being kind of like an addendum like this felt like. And even like multi-part yeah. episodes or like you don't yeah. necessarily destroy the monster of the week that week. You destroy it next week or something like that. Do you kind of feel like this iteration of Ichabod Crane owes a lot to Sherlock Holmes? Yes, for sure. I think we're in an environment where Sherlock Holmes has become more popular, more more in, more, in, more involved in pop culture these days where that's certainly an influence. Yeah, and he's got the photographic memory. Right. Yeah, yeah. That, that for sure was the main thing that was like, yep, yep. <laughs> But I don't mind it. Like I, 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 I like, I like having a protagonist such as Ichabod Crane, where you know, obviously he's not the smartest guy in the room. I mean, he has 250 years to catch up on, but he's he's a guy who we already we established that he was a teacher. Like he's a smart he's a smart person for sure, but he's not like necessarily a detective. He just has an an enhanced form of knowledge in relation to something some things that are very specific. Yeah, as, and it. it yeah, gives the character agency instead of having him be sort of like a bumbling, uh, meek character who, you know, was kind of lost and trying to catch up. Like he leads the charge and he's kind of gung ho and adventurous, which is, you know, fun to watch. And he's partnered yeah, with a capable female lead as well. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I appreciate how uh, on level playing fields they are. Yeah, he's not, I mean, the his modern day surroundings are just a slight obstacle and not. You know he's not handicapped throughout. That's nice. the um the speech about taxes was hilarious. Yes, <laughs> oh, yeah, that was pretty pretty clever writing. I thought I should mention also I like that the show you know it's it's half minorities in the main cast. I mean, that's it's not something that's kind of you know being addressed all that much beyond like Ichabod Crane being an abolitionist. But I mean it's, it's just like you know I like that aspect. We have like although they put probably uh, give Orlando Jones a little bit more to do. Yeah, and I'll be curious to see how he factors in because you know he has to have some kind of secret up his sleeve because that's how um, show would work. well he he jetted off to Albany this week to to get more resources whatever that means. <laughs> <laughs> um, do police departments that have a sheriff also have a chief? Uh, sure. Or was he brought in after Clancy was killed? I guess I don't I don't know how the I don't I don't, I, mean, I don't know where the commissioner a... is either I don't know. Because well, isn't the sheriff an elected Abby. official? Uh, yeah, uh, the sheriff yeah. is an elected official, so I'm not. Yeah, I'm not sure exactly what the 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 job politics are at this juncture. So I guess we'll find out. And I mean, we just had the funeral for him, so maybe we'll see. You know, in the connect on the coming yeah. weeks of what the the staff the staff's gonna how what staff changes will occur or what have you. But um, all right. Um, before we wrap up, any crazy hokum theor- theories that we have for uh this season? I, I have one in mind. But uh, go for it. Um, I think um. 
we're gonna we're gonna have Katrina emerge in modern time. I think that's something that I think that's safe to say at some point in the series, maybe the season finale. Who knows? I have or a hard the, time disagreeing with that. Yeah. Or somebody's gonna get sucked in the world <laughs> between worlds with her for a little bit. There you go. Well, let's see. Anything about next week's episode? I know it's called for the tri- <laughs> for, for the triumph of evil. That's the title of next week's episode. Ooh. See, I happen to have a handy description of what that one might be about. For the triumph of evil, another soldier in the army of evil, the Sandman, seeps into the dreams of the residents of Sleepy Hollow. By infiltrating their minds at night, he tortures them to the brink, all because they, at one time, turned a blind eye to justice. When the Sandman seemingly sets his sights on Abby, she is forced to begin to face her past and her institutionalized sister, Jenny. With Ichabod by her side and her life at stake, the duo must try to defeat the Sandman and continue their fight against evil. Ooh, okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> sounds as amazing and compelling as always. I'm looking forward to that episode. I, I wonder, I, that being said, how many other like well-known uh, fairy tale or horror creatures are going to be brought into the fold? Good point. I also yeah. wonder if we're going to hear Mr. Sandman. Or yeah. Enter Sandman. Or Enter Sandman. Yes. Yeah. Metallica Through the Never does come out next weekend, so. Oh, perfect. <laughs> you never know. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I think that's going to do it for this um, this episode of the Ichapod Cranecast. Why don't we go over where we can find more of our work? Um, how about we start with Brandon? You can find my work at WhySoBlue, uh, com. Also on my blog, Naptown Nerd, NaptownNerd.blogspot.com. And go ahead and follow me on Twitter at BTPeters. Maxwell? Yeah, follow me on, on Twitter at twitter.com slash cinemaxwell, and anything I may cook up will be linked from there. Yeah, you can, of course, find me on Twitter at Aaron's PS3. I also host a weekly film podcast called Out Now with Aaron and Abe, and you can find my work on whysoblue.com as well, as well as at thecodeizik.com. And, yeah, that's going to do it this week. Um, let's see. I forgot that we have things now because we're such a show this day. We have a, we have a Twitter page for this for this. Um... For, uh, for this podcast, it's the it's at Ichapod Crane. That is the Twitter handle, twitter.com slash at Ichapod Crane. And you can also feel free to email us your thoughts at um, uh, <laughs> Ichapod Cranecast at gmail.com. That is the official email for this podcast. And of course, hhwlod.com. That is where you presumably found the show, if not on iTunes. We are on hhwlod.com with a lot of the other podcasts there. So yeah, I think that's, that's plenty. We'll be sure to kind of we're, we're figuring this out as we go. This is still a young podcast, so, you know. That hopefully. being said, be yeah. sure to keep listening because not only is it great, but I feel a Halloween contest might be brewing. That's a good idea. I like that. I like where your head's at. On your shoulders. Mm. <laughs> oh. I am. I am not. I am not headless. <laughs> good to know. Good to know. So, yeah. I. Yep. I, <laughs> that'll do it. <laughs> this week's episode of the Ichapod Cranecast. So, until next time, heads will